I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and there is no place like home. I am thrilled to finally be home. Oh, and by the way, yep, still a quilter. Anyway, I've been traveling a lot. As some of you might remember, I've referenced it before. This month of April, I was on the road a lot. It is really nice to be home in May. Um, I'm only traveling a little bit, and it's all by car, so I'm thrilled. Uh, This last trip in particular involved flying to the west coast and becoming part of that great Darwinian experiment that's air travel these days. It is a true survival of the fittest. And admittedly, although I'm a huge fan of the whole take your kid to work movement, sitting on my plane and watching us get waved out of the gate by a 10-year-old was a little disconcerting. Had to take a red eye back home again and got in at about 11 o'clock my time yesterday, 11 a.m., that is, so I had yesterday to rest up. I'm still a little out of it today, so I will apologize ahead of time as I'm recording this episode if I just get a little hard to follow because I'm having problems keeping thoughts in my head. Good thing I have a delete key and know how to use it. In any case, I don't have to be on a plane again until July, so I'm thrilled even though I'm traveling. It's by car, which is much happier time. So anyway, here we are. I'm home. I have had some time over the weekend to do some research for this episode, so I'm ready. When I first decided to do an episode on scrap quilts, I had no idea how much information I was going to find and want to be able to use, so I'm actually going to do this in two episodes. In this one, episode 007, in which we get scrappy, I'm going to uh, start out by doing a little bit of the personal stuff, so this one's going to be a little bit longer, but then I'm going to share with you a few resources, some definitions, a little bit of history of scrap quilting, what the benefit to scraps is, um, collecting for scraps, how to get used to doing scrap quilts, and what are the best sizes for scrap. And then in the next episode, 008, in which we revisit scraps, uh, I'll talk a little bit about a scrap ruler, some templates, and then a lot of ideas about how to use scraps and some resources there. So you're going to have two episodes. Hope you'll stick with us for both. I do have an idea for someone with capital. If there's any of you who are looking for a business to start out there, I'd really like to highly recommend a quilt shop franchise in airports. I was hankering for a little fabric fondling while I was biding my time on various layovers. You'd really have a captive audience there. And I don't know, you could name it something like Fly Fabric or Plain Goods and spell Plain P-L-A-N-E or maybe Terminal Fabric Obsession. I don't know, whatever other puns you want to come up with. Um, That would be good names for a quilt shop in an airport. It really was... I kept thinking about it. Unfortunately, I don't have the money. So anybody out there with the money, go ahead and do it. I do want to give a great shout out to all of my subscribers. Woohoo! While I was gone this weekend, we actually not only reached but exceeded 1000 subscribers to this podcast. I am amazed, overwhelmed, astounded, etc. Um, I would have been happy to do a special giveaway for a thousand, but I didn't actually really ever think I would reach that, and um, certainly didn't think I would reach it this quickly, so I didn't have any good ideas for that. Sorry, 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 sorry. I will, however, now shoot for 2,000, so I will plan a giveaway of some sort for 2,000 subscribers, so tell your friends, get it going, and um, if you have any great ideas, creative ideas for what I could do that would put people's names in for a giveaway, 
let me know. I already know. I think what it is I want to give away. I just don't quite know what I want to do to do that. So if you've got some ideas, leave them in the comments, either in the Big Tent group or in the comments on this episode. I do also want to ask, if you are listening to this through iTunes, leave some comments on iTunes. There's a a place on the podcast page where you can leave your own comments or you can rate it. Uh, Please do that so that anybody else searching for Quilting Podcast will find it and read your ideas. Hopefully, happy ones. My mom always taught me if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So hopefully you will be nice in your comments on iTunes. But I do want to suggest that you do that. I want to give you my contact info, and there's some of it that's a little bit new. Again, the uh, link for this particular podcast, the show blog for this podcast, is at http colon slashy slashy quilter.podbean.com. I also have a new uh, Gmail address that I've set up specific for this podcast, so if you want to reach me privately, not by leaving a comment on the page, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, and that's with a Z, a Z on the quilts, not on the sandy, otherwise it would be sandyquilts, and that just sounds a little weird. So it's sandyquilts with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. I've also changed my blog. Up until now, I had been keeping a blog for several years uh, that was called Tessellations on Blogger, and I've decided it was getting a little confusing for me more than anybody to have all these different names floating around out there. So I've changed, and my blog is now quilting for the rest of us. And I have moved some of the tessellations entries over into that one so that you can still get them through the archives. But now you can read the blog at http colon slashy slashy quilting for the rest of us, all one word, dot blogspot dot com. Um, I'm actually going to use that blog to provide a lot of supplemental information to episodes, etc., as well as what I'm working on in just my general life. Um, I'm trying to keep the podbean.com show blog specific to episode for the um, blog it's, or for the show itself, only because that's what shows up in iTunes and it confuses things a little bit if there's too much going on there. So um, you may want to follow both. The blogspot.com will have more frequent entries, kind of depends on what's going on in my life at any time, but I will periodically post some extra information there that are relevant to the episodes. Also, again, as usual, I will remind you again of the Big Tent group. You join Big Tent, the Quiltcast supergroup, and once you're part of that group, then you can join the subgroup for quilting for the rest of us. And I would encourage you to do that. Again, there's a link to join right on the show blog at quilter.podbean.com. I might actually put one up on my blogspot.com. I hadn't thought about that until just now. So look there. It might be there too. I'm also debating a Facebook page, maybe toying with Twitter. But, you know, frankly, as I referenced earlier, I have enough problems keeping track of everything I've got going on. So if you'd like to see me do a Facebook page for this podcast, if you think that would be useful, let me know. Now, I have gotten some great comments from listeners, and we're actually getting to the point where I'm getting enough that it's going to be hard for me to share every one with you on the podcast. So I apologize for anybody that I might be leaving out, and I'd really encourage all of you to go visit the show blog and read everybody's comments. I did want to say, Kathy said she is proud to be one of our 1,000 subscribers. Welcome, Kathy. I'm proud that you're part of one of our 1,000 subscribers, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you more in the future. Francis recommended a college that I should take my daughter to visit because it's got a great quilt shop nearby, so apparently I'm not the only one with the theory that there's an equivalency between good colleges and nearby quilt shops. So thank you, Francis, and I will discuss that possibility with my daughter as well. Bonnie asked for more information about EQ, um, and I do want to say it seems like since I referenced EQ in the podcast episode, there's been a confirmation of a rumor that had been floating around for a while, and yes, indeed, EQ7 will soon be released. Wouldn't you know? 
just when I'm getting a little more confident with EQ6. Hopefully it won't be too different. I have posted a little inf- more information about EQ in general, Bonnie, for you, and links in my blogspot.com, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com blog. So please do look there. Glenna commented that she has an hour commute. That's when she listens to all her quilty podcasts. So, Glenna, I am so pleased to be able to join you on that drive. And thank you for listening as well. Now, a few people have also posted to You Know Your Quilter When page, again, on the quilter.podbean.com site. So please do uh, check that out and post your own responses. Colleen said, you know you're a quilter when you're watching a TV show or movie and you point out the quilt on the screen to your family, then you're surprised that they aren't interested. And Colleen, yeah, I've had that happen too. Uh, Janet, you know you're a quilter when towns or cities you may be traveling through or to are known for their quilt shops. That's definitely a giveaway. Vivian said, you know you're a quilter when you get annoyed every time you watch a promotional spot for one of the local PBS stations with two guys from a home improvement show. One guy in the spot talking about watching shows on the channel says, and you learned how to quilt. And the other guy says, and I'm getting pretty good at it too, but he's holding up a crocheted afghan. And you seriously consider withholding your donation to the station for this year. But of course you don't because then they might not carry Fonz and Porter's love of quilting anymore. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that one, Vivian. While I was traveling, I was able to catch up on another couple of Quilty podcasts, and I really want to suggest that you check out Silly Chick Designs podcast. Tony is great. She's got a great way of telling a story. She's actually the only thing that could make me laugh while I was on that plane at that point. Unfortunately, I caught up on all of her podcasts, and I have to wait for her to get back from a mission trip to hear more. I'm sending Tony some safe travel hopes, and I'm looking forward to getting the next episode. You can get her podcast through iTunes. Just search for Silly Chick Designs. Tony's blog is at http colon slashy slashy sillychickdesigns.blogspot.com. What am I working on? <laughs> not much at the moment. As you know, I've been traveling a lot, so there's not been a lot going on in my sewing room. In fact, it's unusually neat and clean at the moment. Today I've got off because I was traveling over the weekend, so I'm hoping that after I get this episode done, I will have a little bit of time to sew, although I'm still tired enough that me and a rotary cutter may not be a particularly safe idea, so I'm kind of debating that as well. For this episode, episode 007 in which we get scrappy. Uh, I had a lot of resources that I did research over the weekend while I was traveling on this business trip. I did have some time and really enjoyed the opportunity to change gears from what I was doing there for work to just doing some quilty stuff. And so I did some research on scrap quilts to be able to do this episode. And I had a lot of particularly helpful resources. I'm not going to take the time to give you all the information about them here because I want to get on to talking about scraps. Uh, but they will be all in my quilting for the rest of us.blogspot.com. Um, page, and I'm also going to be posting some links in the quilter.podbean.com, the show notes for this episode. So you'll find them in both places. But I'm particularly going to be referring to Bonnie Hunter's Scrap User System, uh, scraptherapy.com, which was recommended to me by Kathy in the Big Tent Group. Thanks, Kathy. Rachel Cox's blog, about.com and ehow.com. So if you're already familiar with those, you want to go and check them out. Um, but there will be links in the show notes. So, episode 007, in which we get scrappy. The first thing, and somebody did mention or ask this question in the Big Tent group conversation about about scraps, um, what is a definition of a scrap? Now, for me, I've always defined a scrap as any chunk of fabric left over from a project. 
However, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, some people think scrap quilts immediately and they will buy fabric and immediately cut scraps. So that's a little different uh, definition of scraps. I guess that just has to do with small pieces of fabric. What I did find out before we even start this episode is anything having to do with scraps, it's all in the mind of the user. So whatever I give you as definition, somebody else may have a different definition and you will ultimately need to determine what your own definition is. So as useful as this may be, I will give you some definitions. Um, First of all, again, scrap any chunks of fabric left over from a project and or any small pieces of fabric. There's another word you might see, strings. Strings tend to be long strips, probably less than one and a half inches or so, but again, everyone has their own definitions. Um, You've been probably been seeing lately a lot of string quilts and that kind of thing. A related word that you might see is uh, selvage, and again, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't call it a related word. We know selvage, that's the part of fabric that you normally cut off. That's where the name of the maker is printed, etc. But there are a lot of patterns out there now using selvages specifically. I've often seen them in terms of tote bags, purses, etc. But there's quilts that are made using selvage as well. Selvage quilts, string quilts, very similar, probably about the same thing. You might also see the word crumbs. Now a crumb is a tiny little bitty scrap. For me, crumbs are the things that end up in my trash can, but there are some folks who use these and use them beautifully. So that's another word you might see and something you might want to consider yourself. You will also see references to leaders and enders. Um, This is something that Bonnie Hunter particularly has um, promoted and used, and she has a book to that name. I can't tell you for sure if she's the first person that ever used that particular word or used them as scraps. Um, I don't know the history of it, but she definitely is the person whose name is associated with it now. Leaders and enders. And leaders and enders are usually um, those pieces of fabric that you use at the beginning of a chain piecing set and at the end of a chain piecing set to keep your sewing machine from eating the corners. I myself, I use leaders. I've never used enders, but some people will put them on both. Scrap quilters often plan ahead by creating leaders and enders that end up being half square triangles or pieces later on. And a charm quilt. You will hear references to charms or charm quilts. Now, I have been trained, uh, you know, I've done most of my quilting in the pre-cut fabric packs uh, world where you get a lot of what are called charm packs, and those are five-inch squares. So I had often thought of charm quilts as being those that use five-inch squares. The reality is the actual definition of charm quilt the one that quilt police will use, is any quilt where each fabric is only used once. Okay, and that doesn't mean a whole cloth quilt, obviously. This is a scrap quilt, but one in which each fabric is only used once. Now, obviously, quilts that are made with 5-inch squares, um, the pre-cut packs of 5-inch squares anyway, charm packs, will be probably charm quilts because those charm packs only have one of each fabric. So by nature, then that means it is meeting the definition. But a charm quilt, doesn't matter what size the pieces are, each fabric is only used once. Okay, so those are some definitions to start us out with. The next thing I want to talk about very briefly is the history of scrap quilting. And, you know, there is sort of this legend, and I think in some cases it's almost used sometimes to make us modern quilters feel a little bit guilty, um, that quilting started out as all scrap quilting, and it was really, uh, quilts were used as make-do things, that um, the rationale for quilts in the first place was to use up all this fabric, because, you know, that's what quilters did back then. But the reality is, actually, that fairly early on in the quilt world, fabric was available. 
and women likely bought fabric specifically to make a quilt rather than only making quilts from what was available. Obviously, fabric was expensive then. Fabric is expensive now, so probably women back then tried to make the best use of every last bit. And, you know, now today we really try to make use of every last bit because the same reason fabric's expensive. Um, so although, yes, out on that frontier, women were making scrap quilts, if they could, they were also probably making buying fabric specifically to make quilts. So I really don't know that quilters back then were a whole lot different from quilters today. Um, the one difference being now that probably uh, we do have more disposable income now than that they did then, at least some of us do, and so we are more willing to throw out fabric of slightly larger scrap size, um, some of us are, than what was probably the case then. then. So I'm not making any real relative judgments here. I'm just saying that while scrap quilts have always been around, so has buying fabric specifically to make quilts. And that's just not my own opinion. I did do some research on the history of scrap quilts, and I did find references to that. So what's the benefit to scraps? What's the benefit to making scrap quilts? Well, I've already said this. Fabric is expensive. I think it was on Bonnie Hunter's website. I'm sorry, I didn't write this particular note down, but somebody that I was, as I was doing the research, said, you know what? Fabric is $9 a yard, $9.50, $10, whatever you're paying per yard. Whether it's a full yard or whether it's three inches worth of fabric, it's still the same cost. So if you can use up every last bit of your fabric, you are getting the most bang for your buck, as it were. Another benefit to scraps is scrap quilts can be absolutely gorgeous. They can also be pretty ugly. It depends on how you've made them. Like any quilts, you know, there's good ones, there's bad ones. Um, I probably shouldn't say there's bad quilts. There's no such thing as a bad quilt. There's just some that are as I say, attractively challenged. Um, but the, I have seen some scrap quilts that are just absolutely gorgeous. So that is one benefit to scraps, is they really can be beautiful. And the corollary to that is that even ugly fabric can be pretty if it's cut small enough. You know, that fabric that I refer to as the what-were-you-thinking fabric, um, just cut it up into two-and-a-half-inch squares or even smaller, and you'll probably get it down to where it's actually really pretty and can be very useful. Another benefit to scraps is they don't take up a lot of space, so you can arrange for scrap swaps with friends and get a whole new stash in a very small container. And we're going to talk a little bit about the benefit of, of scraps later in that regards. Um, but again, scraps, depending on how many you keep, may not take up, but you may have a whole lot of fabric types in a very small space, and so that's a good way to increase your stash without having to build a whole new set of shelves. Now let's talk about collecting for scraps. Scrap quilts don't just have to be an afterthought. You can think ahead and plan ahead for scraps. And so there's some talk about how do you kind of build your stash in such a way that it's equally good for scrap quilts. One of the articles on scraps that I found on about.com talks about planning ahead for scrap quilts specifically. And they refer to collecting fabrics of all types since scrap quilts thrive on variety. And you can look at that attractively challenged fabric as a little two-inch square, for example, and be able to use the ugly fabric in a very beautiful way and swapping scraps with your friends, etc. I've already referred to that. Uh, the same article talked about collecting fabrics of all types and all colors. And in fact, I do want to add, this is a really good way to challenge yourself to use colors or fabric types that you wouldn't use normally. Um, I think all of us have colors that we drift towards and colors we specifically avoid because we just aren't jazzed by them. We don't like them. Uh, a scrap quilt is a great way to challenge yourself to use that color. And perhaps using it in a scrap quilt, you'll start to see how it plays with other fabrics and, and be able to then eventually build your stash of that color and begin to design entire quilts around that color. Who knows? 
Also collect fabric with all scales. That sounds a little gross. I don't mean fish scale. That means scale of print. Don't just use all large scale or all small scale. You'll need contrast with one another to show up the best. Um, one note about large scale prints is obviously if you're cutting them into very small pieces, into two inch pieces or whatever, depending on how large that print is, you may end up with fabric that looks like, in that two inch square, that looks like it's a completely different fabric. So if you have a large floral print, for example, you cut a two inch square, you may end up with a square that's a solid color that's the background fabric. It all depends on the large scale. So large scale prints could end up giving you a variety of scraps for a variety of different uses just from that one print, which is kind of cool to think about. You're also going to need a place for the eye to rest in a scrap quilt. And when I referred to ugly scrap quilts before, and I'm sorry, um, again, that's a judgment call, and I usually try not to do that. I think the ones that I have seen that I don't particularly like, shall we put it that way, they don't appeal to me, are ones that didn't have enough places for my eye to rest. They were almost, shall we say, too scrappy. Uh, so the About.com article does refer to collecting a lot of neutrals. And by neutrals, that's anything in the spectrum from white to black, anything in between. Um, depending on what's going on in the rest of your quilt, just like any other quilt, scraps, scrap quilts will need to use particular neutrals those will give your eyes a place to rest and they will also allow the blocks themselves or the other fabrics to really shine. I have an example of this. It is actually a scrap quilt, although it was pre-cut fabrics and I think it was a jelly roll that I used for it. So it wasn't like I was using true scraps out of my stash. But anyway, I did a, a quilt that uses, um, it was a pattern called Bento Box. And it's a wonderful pattern. I really enjoyed it. However, when I got the center of the quilt pieced, it was just way too busy. I could not, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it was working. I loved the colors. It was all blues and browns. They were kind of modern geometric prints. It was fun, but I didn't like the way it had turned out. And I debated for a while what I was going to do with it. I had it hanging up on my design wall oh, for weeks on end while I tried to figure out how to save this quilt. And I finally realized all it needed was a place for my eye to rest. And so I pulled a um, a brown fabric out of my stash. It was, I think it was a modeled fabric. I'm sorry, I gave this quilt away when it was done, so I don't have it to look at. I think it was a brown model, but it, it really read as solid brown. It was a very um, subtle pattern to it. And I, I auditioned that as a potential border, and it was exactly what that quilt needed. So what I all I ended up doing was putting a, a solid border on it. I think it was like a four inch, five inch wide border of this brown fabric. And it framed out the center of it beautifully. And it really toned down the entire quilt, made it workable. And that's really what was, for me, the best example of learning what it meant needing someplace for the eye to rest. So um, I would agree with this, that again, as I talked about in the stash episode, have a lot of neutrals in your stash because they will come into play in a lot of places. Fabric swaps are a great way to collect fabric for scraps. Um, fat quarter swaps, a lot of guilds. My guild has a fat quarter swap. Um, my guild also at various times has had two and a half inch strip swaps or 10 inch square swaps. These are great ways to collect fabric for scraps. And especially because you will get fabric in those swaps that you wouldn't normally go out and buy for yourself. So again, it's a good way for you to get used to using different types of fabric. And a fabric that you would have never bought for yourself, you may find works beautifully and you fall in love and then you've kind of opened up to yourself to a whole new horizons and quilting. I also want to say lady rags, 
which is her screen name, posted in the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Big Tent. Um, If I understood your comment correctly, Lady Rags, and I'm sorry if I'm misinterpreting this, uh, so feel free to correct me in in a comment on this episode. It sounds like Lady Rags cuts fabric for scrap quilts the minute new fabric comes into her house. She has some scrap quilts in mind, and she cuts pieces with templates as soon as she's got the fabric, and then she stores her scraps in boxes under the bed. Thank you, Lady Rags, for that comment. And I do know I've certainly met people who are scrap quilters and they buy fabric specifically for scrap quilts. Um, Again, when I look at scraps, I look at fabric that's left over from projects I've already done, but there are others who buy fabric specifically for scrap quilts. And so um, what they will do is cut the sizes for scraps immediately as soon as the new fabric has come into the house, like Lady Rags has suggested. So that's another way to collect for scraps. What you may do then is if you have a project that you want to work on and you buy fabric for it, just buy an extra quarter yard or a half yard or however much you want to have. I would say probably a quarter yard is plenty and cut that into scraps the minute you get it. And then you're guaranteeing yourself some scraps from that fabric um, rather than just leaving up to chance whatever might be left over at the end of your project. Now let's talk a little bit about getting used to doing scrap quilts. Um, I've already suggested that I really struggled with scrap quilts to start. When I first started learning how to quilt, I remember I used to say, oh, I don't like scrap quilts. Well, I think that was because I hadn't really seen scrap quilts that I liked at that point. Um, My natural bent is to be fairly well organized. As we've discussed in previous episodes, scrap quilts seem to just scream disorganization to me. Uh, I really struggled with them. But once I really started looking at scrap quilts and seeing a wide variety of types of scrap quilts, I realized that there really are different types of scrap quilts. And actually, I do gravitate towards certain of them. So now I look at that style of scrap quilts as models. I think for me, probably my favorite scrap quilts are those that tend to use just two or three colors and, um, you know, the scraps within those colors. So when you're standing far back from it, it's hard to even tell they're they're scrap quilts until you go right up to it. But that's not a hard and fast rule for me. I've seen scrap quilts that just have, you know, that are probably more on the line of charm quilts where you don't see the same fabric twice or you don't even see the same colors. They're just beautifully done probably what what I'm seeing is a really good use of neutrals to give your eye a resting place. So um, for me, I've really now started studying scrap quilts to get ideas, not only for my own scrap quilts in the future, but also how I put colors and neutrals and stuff together for my quilts that I use coordinates with. The other way I started getting myself used to the whole concept of scrap quilts and making scrap quilts myself was by using charm packs and jelly rolls. Um, Those are technically scrap quilts, although I'm using, shall we say, pre-scrapped fabric, so to speak. But it did get me accustomed to looking at fabric in smaller pieces, and especially thinking in terms of value rather than color, which I'll be talking about a little bit later, and so forth. And so now, having done a couple of jelly roll projects, having done a couple of charm pack projects, I'm much more comfortable with the whole idea of how to put a scrap quilt together. And so I think I'm ready to work on a what I, what I call a real scrap quilt with actual scraps from my own projects in the future. Now, there were a lot of questions um, that I've seen not only in our own discussion about scrap quilts in the Big Tent group for quilting for the rest of us, um, but also in other places, is what are the best sizes for scraps? And for me, this is the question I keep coming back to. If I have scraps from a project, what am I best off doing in terms of cutting it down to sizes that I'll um, use in the future? Uh, For me, if I have a bin of just randomly uh, sized scraps, I'm less likely to use it than if I immediately cut it down into a size of something that I will do a project on later. 
so I've been doing a lot of research and looking at what are the best sizes for me to cut scraps down into so that I'll use them later. And, you know, the best answer I came up with is the sizes you'll use. Okay, so that's not particularly helpful, but if you tend to do a lot of jelly roll quilts, for example, like I do, cut your strips into as many two and a half inch strips as you can. If you do a lot of log cabins, check the usual sizes of the rectangles needed, cut bins of them. If you really love half square triangle blocks that are blocks that use half square triangles, check the average size that you've used in quilts you've done in the past and cut those sizes. Um, so basically, you need to think about what is it that you tend to use most and cut scraps to those sizes. The other thing to do um, that I've done is I actually did choose a scrap quilt pattern that I really liked um, that I want to make in the future. And so I then set up a bin labeled with the name of the quilt in the book that it's in because I don't trust my memory. Plus, I put right on the outside of the bin the sizes of scraps it needs. Now, the particular pattern I chose um, has a kind of a standard size of scraps that it looks for anything that's seven inches long and then anything between one and a quarter and three inch wide strips. So it's, it's a strip set. Eventually, I believe I'm sewing those onto a foundation. So this is what I've got the bin. It's all seven inch long, roughly, and then one and a half, or I'm sorry, one and a quarter to three inch wide. And so I've got that all labeled right on the outside of the bin. So whenever I take time to cut scraps for scrap quilts, I start big and work my way down. So I'll start with some of the larger common size. Like I usually start with the two and a half inch strip. If I've got a width of fabric, I'll cut two and a half inch strips until I can cut no more two and a half inch strips. Then I might go down to a one and a half inch strip, etc. So I look at width of fabric first. If I don't have a width of fabric, if I've got like leftovers from a fat quarter or a piece that's kind of a chunk size, then I'll look at doing a 10 inch square, then a five inch square, and then working my way down from there. So in general, though, here's some common sizes that I did come across. Um, and some of those were on um, Bonnie Hunter's site for a scrap user system. Um, some were on other sites. These were the basic sizes. Strips, and for me, a strip, I tend to only do width of fabric. Others defined a strip as anything that's at least 12 inches long. So again, you have to look at what would you actually use. One and a half inch wide, two inch wide, two and a half inch wide, which is the size of the average jelly roll, three and a half inch wide, and four inch wide. Those were the standard sizes that most people use. Bonnie Hunter did mention she no longer uses three inch strips because they just don't play nice with other sizes, and she had this whole thing about what blocks tend to divide down into, etc. So if you really want to look at that, you can go to her website. But those were the basic width of strips that I found most common, one and a half inch, two inch, two and a half inch, three and a half inch and four inch. Now if you want to cut squares, there's some pretty common sizes for that. Again, I start big, so I start with the 10 inch and then the five inch squares. Um, some other common sizes working backwards, three and a half inch, two and a half inch, two inch, and one and a half inch. So if you have little chunks of fabric that won't cut nicely into strips, you might want to look at doing squares in those sizes. Rectangles are good, and some standard sizes that tend to be used in flying geese units are two by three and a half inch and two and a half inch by four and a half inch. Bonnie Hunter gives a formula for what she calls a brick. It's a rectangle. Is the height of one square the width of two of the squares plus your seam allowance? So if you start with a three inch square, your height would be three inch, your width would be six inch plus that quarter inch seam allowance all around. So you'd end up cutting a three and a half inch by six and a half inch rectangle. So that's a helpful formula to keep in mind. 
Now, like I've said before, we had a conversation in the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Big Tent about how big a scrap was and at what point were they small enough to throw out. And again, some of us probably throw out bigger pieces than others. Denise responded in that conversation, I had a box of what I called scraps, just various bits. I've been going through them and cutting three-inch squares, three-and-a-half-inch strips for a bricks and stones quilt, or two-inch or one-and-a-half-inch strips. And when I cut new yardage, if it's less than a fat quarter size, I'll cut it up into those dimensions. The rest gets tossed out. I've also just started cutting and saving selvages. She says she's seen those selvage quilts and they look cool. Um, She then continues to say, that might be going too far. I'm not sure yet, so for now I'll continue. I did just start sewing together the waist triangles from when you sew a smaller square to a larger one to make snowball blocks, etc. Denise ended by saying that some of those triangles were way small, so she decided that was probably going too far. However, some people use every single last bit. And in my next episode where I talk about using scraps, um, I will talk about how you can use some of those really tiny bits. I'm not sure that's my bag, but for some people that's a real challenge and they love trying it. Let's talk a little bit about storage to finish up this episode, and then in our next episode I'll go through how do you use scraps, etc. But how do you store those scraps? Again, Bonnie Hunter has pictures on her uh, scrap user system. She uses a lot of those bins with the pull-out drawers to store her scraps. A quilter left a tip on about.com's site. She said, I use cleaned plastic containers that contain snack items from Costco. Um, This is my own editorial here from Sandy. I don't have a Costco, so I don't know particularly what um, plastic container she's talking about about, but maybe some of you who shop at Costco, there's a particular plastic canister that they use a lot for a lot of snack items, so you might know exactly what she's talking about. She then goes on to say, to hold those small fabric trimmings from larger projects, when I get enough of them, I I may sort them according to color, display them on a top shelf in your sewing area. They look pretty, and you know exactly what you have. Um, That comment was left by, I'm probably not going to pronounce that, Ahupua. It's spelled A-H-U-P-U-A-A, so if you're out there, thanks for the tip. I found another tip on about.com site. Helen P. said, a lot of my scraps are too small for a whole quilt and too big for scraps, so I bought several large plastic tins at the dollar store and labeled print, solids, checks, and stripes, etc. So thank you, Helen P., for that comment. I did find several references to clear plastic bins. That's what I use. Um, About shoebox size, labeled by size. Rachel Cox on her website, again, I'm putting that um, link in my blog, Uh, Rachel Cox sorts by color because she says she quilts by color. A follower of her blog references sorting by size. Anything having to do with how to organize, you need to organize by how you think. Okay, you need to organize by how you think. So an organizational system that works for one person may not work for another. Um, But if you think by color, sort by color. If you think by size, sort by size. When we talk about using scraps in my next episode, we're going to be talking a lot about value. So um, you may actually end up, if you're a serious scrap quilter, uh, you may end up with having so many scraps you can uh, sort by almost a tier system. So you might sort by color first, then by value within that color, and then by size within that value or whatever. You build your organizational system based on how you use your scraps. Right now, my organizational system for scraps is incredibly minimal. I have two bins that are the type that you pull out the drawer on and the front of the drawer is clear plastic. One of them is labeled sizable scraps. 
the other one is labeled small scraps. And if you pushed me to a wall and asked me to define how I differentiate between sizable and small, where's my cutoff? I don't really have one. (laughs) So there's probably actually a lot of crossover between those two bins and probably some that are floating around in my small scraps bin that should be in the sizable bin and vice versa. Um, I just sort of throw them in there based on what I'm feeling like at the time. I then do have my drawer, pull-out drawer that I referenced in my episode about organizational systems um, in which I keep all my charm packs and jelly rolls, etc. And so I do cut 10-inch squares and 5-inch squares and and 2.5-inch strips, and those all live in that same drawer. And then I have two other bins. One is the one that I referred to earlier that I have set aside specifically for that one pattern that I've picked out, and it's labeled as such. And then I do have another bin in which I keep one and a half inch strips because I do love log cabin quilts. So at some point, I'm assuming I will probably do some log cabin blocks with one and a half inch strips. So I keep one and a half inch strips in a separate bin. And that's about the extent of my organizational system for scraps. And then my other file is my circular file, as in my wastebasket. I do throw out fabric. I admit it. I'm a fabric thrower outer. Um, There are probably some people who just think that's horrendous, and I'm sorry if I'm offending you, Um, but I have limited storage space, and I know myself, I am not somebody who's going to use the tiniest little bits of scraps. Um, I do use scraps, by the way, for leaders' enders, so I have another, I guess that would be part of my organizational system. I have a little tiny plastic box in which I keep um, triangles that then I pair together for leaders and enders on my chain piecing, but I do not then save those for future use in scrap quilts. Um, I actually use the same ones over and over and over again, so they end up with a lot of thread on them. So in this episode, that's what we're going to talk about. In my next episode, I am going to talk about how to use scrap quilts, um, some additional resources, and some ideas of how to really make use of all the fabric in your stash. So until then... Go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mama. 